A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the New Year's episode of This is Please Update. I'm Olivia. And I'm Lauren. Happy New Year if you're listening. Thanks for being with us. We've had we've had a time of it. And I was just saying to Lauren, I'm really feeling the January, man. Mm. I never normally I do. I don't know if it's post-COVID or I don't know. But God, in the Northern Hemisphere, it's hard in January. It's it's better. It's really. I had to um when I was going to work this morning because of course I've got to go back to the office now. Um, I was going all to the, the office time. this morning. Three days a week. That's basically all the which, time. Well, it's basically all the time, and we're like, like but the thing is, we're being a bit flexy with it. If I'm honest, like, okay, that's good. I think it's I think it's fair that we go in. At a decent time, but then people are like leaving slightly earlier because our whole MO is supposed to be that we're thinking about the environment, the impact of that, all that shit. Um, but now because we're all back in the office, we're all stuck in traffic jams and, and exuding carbon monoxide or dioxide or whatever it is that cars give off. So I avoid that by leaving just before rush hour and get home quickly. You're just thinking about the environment. I'm thinking about the environment, do you know what I mean? but also i like we spoke about this before and i think on episodes we have but if something could be if you can work from home why wouldn't you i know and we can so yeah yeah like if i could i would yeah i mean the thing is the weird thing is for a lot of people productivity is actually much like like i feel it's much better at home because you wake up and you know also you're, you're probably got it in your mind you're like if i don't do this here i'll have to go to the office so no <laughs> i know do it here having said that having said that it is nice to go in and socialize and collaborate when you have to and i have to say i've gotten to know one of my colleagues particularly well the last couple of weeks because it's just been me and him in oh, nice. um so that's been nice but i don't know i i think i can see i can see why they want to do it but i don't know three I, I days that... a week feels like a lot yeah although it's not as bad as some places like some people are getting forced back five days a week and i'm like what the hell is that (laughs) it's like it's making the thing is for people like you that's an essential worker like a doctor or nurses or other things we're congesting the roads going into offices when you guys are trying to get to your work and you're actually essential you have to be in the place of work you know what i mean so yeah mm, yeah and also silly COVID is rampant at the moment. I know it's not really a huge yeah. thing anymore, but um, I had it just before Christmas and 
I wasn't like I wouldn't be allowed to go into work still. They're still not allowed to go in. So stop spreading it. Your work. <laughs> there was a guy who apparently came in yesterday and was pure coughing about the oh. office. And of course, everyone now is like really hyper alert to, to it. They're like proper like, oh, he's coughing, he's coughing, blah, blah. And he said something about, oh, I've come in and he made a joke about herd immunity. And I was like, that's not a laughing matter, mate. <laughs> like, we've literally we've literally suffered through a pandemic because of people coughing over our desks. <laughs> so I'm like, what if somebody is, is shielding or lives with somebody who's mm-hmm. shielding or like, mm-hmm. I mean, just stop being dicks, man. Stop being dicks, honestly. Okay. But anyway, it's nice to be back. It's actually really lovely to be back and to have this to do. And I've been looking forward to doing this episode because I find this case very, very interesting. And mm-hmm. I love the like Victorian times. Yeah, I wouldn't like good. to live. I wouldn't like to live there, but it's really interesting. No, I mean, yeah. um, it's wild what was allowed, and um, yeah, it's um, it's actually a case where I've I've made sure that I've popped a trigger warning in because mm-hmm. it's really gruesome. Um, yeah, and the fact that we are talking about this nearly 150 years later, and we all still know who Jack the Ripper is. It's wild. wild eh? So wild. as much as as much as right now, January's roast day as fuck, we aren't in Whitechapel in 1888. And I need to remember that. That's true. Do you know perspective? Is there any um, other business we need to take care of before we get into it? Um, is there any other business? <laughs> Hello? Shall we not briefly mention the Salt Lake City of it all? And by the way, we've got to watch Reunion tonight. Have you watched it? I've not watched it yet. I'm going to watch it tonight after the Traitors. I'm excited. So I've not watched Traitors and everyone at work was like, Olivia, you've got to watch it. You would love it. So <gasps> You would love it, babes. Have you not seen any of the series of Traitors? <gasps> Jesus it's wept. So good. Jesus wept. Um, Brandy's in the celebrity version of it, like last oh. year. So Brandy was like an Inverness. <laughs> Yeah, Brandy and Kate Chastain were in Inverness. <laughs> Just like, who'd have thunk it? Who'd have thunk it? But anyway, uh, so the reunion with them um, for people that don't watch Salt Lake City, you should. And um, what the fuck are you doing? Um, the it's drama, though. Right? Like, even if you don't watch it, you must have seen all these memes. This is like, I think this is never before seen scandal on Housewives. It's pretty. It's pretty shocking. So basically, spoiler alert, but someone who was cast in one of the franchises, this one is, I guess, they keep describing her as a super fan, but she was pretty much a stalker as well. But also, she was also like a troll rather than a fan. Like, she's kind of bringing them down a bit. I know. I have to say, I did read some of the the things we're saying and I was like, oh, I can see why they're a bit pissy about it. Okay, so Mm -hmm. basically, long story short, and if you don't want a spoiler for season four, Salt Lake, this is your cue. Skip ahead for one minute. Mm Mm-hmm. One of the people on Salt Lake had um, basically a, set up an Instagram troll account to make fun of one of the castmates who was a massive dick and was scamming elderly people. And I am behind her using it to take her down. But in the process, she said collateral damage was the other castmates. And I went on to look as much. I think I'm following it now as much as probably everyone went to go and look. But all the stuff about the, the actual castmates are down now. I'm guessing you right. found screenshots. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There is like loads of receipts Stop. from that Tanisha or whatever, but like, but also I mean, Tanisha have... isn't innocent. So she, no, she's not. So basically, the cast me is Monica, and she says she did it with this girl Tanisha. Tanisha's denying it. You did it. We saw your text too. Oh, Ned. Yeah. But the, the scandal is basically that the best ever episode was the final of this series and I've never seen anything like it. It was like biblical drama level of like revelation and they were so well done. And I totally forgot that the women at the table were acting because they all yeah. knew about Monica. I know. And it was like, like, wait. They should have won a Golden Globe yesterday. <laughs> they should have. They should have had an honorary Golden Globe. Just Honestly. Like but it was like that, like irony of like us knowing what's about to happen, and Monica being like, "Well, oh, but Monica, I have to give the girl credit. She might be a Machiavellian, devious character, but she has 
she's some TV. Like I'm I mean, she's her in another place. She's earned her place in Salt Lake. Nobody she has, and she has a cracking rookie. Just her first season ever. Um, so if anybody wants to go watch it and message us what they think, Lauren and I not hugely different opinions because we both think she's a massive fanny. Well, not not even a fanny. Like we all both think, like you said, like she's a bit Machiavellian and mm-hmm. a bit of a crook. But I also am one behind her taking down Jen Shah, and I also think she's quite iconic. I know, I know. And we have the different is, opinions, right? but you quite <laughs> like you have a bit of a soft spot for Jen Shah, whereas I don't. I I have a soft spot for Jen Shah because I did find her really entertaining before it was all revealed that she was scamming elderly people. But also, if you listen to the Bravo docket, if you're a massive Housewives fan, they've also gone through all of her business, like what she did legally and stuff. It's so interesting. But they were like, they even stopped and said, you know what? If Jen was legit and was doing another industry, she would be a phenomenal businesswoman. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, she's fantastic. I hope when she gets out of prison um, with Elizabeth Holmes... <laughs> That she basically starts her own legit business and she's already paid restitution back to a lot of the victims that she scammed, but like... Oh, she should. She makes, of course, but I hope she makes good as well and also gets her own series. <laughs> like, because I would I, watch I, I like Monica better. I, I am more amenable to Monica because her victims were white, rich housewives, whereas Jen's victims were elderly people. So I'm more like Jen's a massive dick and knew what she was doing. Neither are great. Yeah, I don't really see what, what Monica's done that's that bad, if I'm honest. Like, I'm not really that, like, oh, my God, the scandal of it. Like, I They just acted think- like somebody was like, she chopped your kidney out in your sleep, and they were like, stop, stop. I know. But it was really that she was, <laughs> she's reality aunties. But she's like, it was the whole, I mean, I have to say, she was quite, she was shocking for revealing gossip on the show as well, being like, oh, Angie's husband's gay. And by the way, give Angie another season, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, like I she like grew on me at the end. I thought she was so cringe, but she has grown on me. Also, I do think that she loved Reality Vontees, and I think that they're <laughs> they are all. I think if like say Reality Vontees was being mean to Whitney or Heather, Lisa would have loved it, or vice versa. They're just pissed off because mm-hmm. they were caught in the crossfire. Um, yeah, but iconic television. Can't recommend it enough. It's amazing series, amazing. Um, so if you watch it, message us, and if you don't. Watch it and then message us. Mm-hmm. And uh, made ourselves clear there. So that's the Salt Lake business. Is there any other updates we need to give before I get onto the brutal stabbing? Nope. <laughs> just get right onto the brutal stabbing, babe. So I'm just going to give a wee trigger warning for this. Obviously, if you clicked on this episode, I hope you do know that it is about Jack the Ripper and it is about brutal murders and an active serial killer. But this is going to have graphic descriptions of murders, of torture, and potentially of sexual assault. So this is your warning. If that's not for you, just go and listen to the next episode or previous episodes. But not the Black Dahlia one. That's also not great. (laughs) That's Um, also not great. Just don't listen to those ones. So I am going to talk a little bit about the place that this happened in and like kind of what led to this guy kind of getting away and justice is still hasn't been served today. It's still not solved. And then I'm going to talk about what is still seen today. I've been to White Chapel. Have you? Was What was it like? It's like another street. Maybe it's like is doing it a week. It's been like gentrified. I think it ha- Well, I think everywhere in central London has been gentrified yeah. pretty much, but like, I think it's pretty close to like, um, like is it in near Soho because I remember I was up there and then all of a sudden I was in Whitechapel or mm. somewhere like that Shoreditch I was it near Shoreditch and then I got to Whitechapel I was like oh my god are you Jack the Ripper are you Jack the Ripper are you well <laughs> anyway, actually sorry. Ashley Cole footballers from Whitechapel <laughs> so there's a fact for the is day see <laughs> Cheryl Cole's ex-husband mm-hmm. so as we know and as you'll know Lauren how much do you know about this case Pretty much, well, a lot. I mean, like, you know, not probably not as much detail as you're about to reveal, but certainly um, I've watched countless documentaries, watched films about it, like... And there's a good documentary on BBC about how they're trying to find his killer. Um, Yeah. I watched that ages ago, but it was really good. So Jack Ripper is obviously one of the most infamous serial killers of all time. We've all heard the name. He's been kind of portrayed in fictional TV shows, etc., 
and we still don't know who he is today. So I'm going to briefly go into the history and the killings themselves, but only really to give context because we're not a true crime podcast. No. We are a ghost podcast. But I think the mm-hmm. context is important to then, you know, make sense of what's seen later. So mm-hmm. in 1888, Jack Ripper terrorised the East End of London. The area was where the poorest in society lived and the people who lived there were, of course, very vulnerable because of that. They were desperate for housing, for food, and he tended to target sex workers, in particular female sex workers. And they say there's five canonical victims that people are sure is Jack the Ripper. There's a few more that might be, and some people say one of the five might not be. For the sake of time slash ghosts, I'm just going to focus on these five victims. And if you want to go deeper into the crude chime, into true crime <laughs> true crime off it not the ghosts strongly recommend morbid they've done like a five-part podcast on it and it's really detailed and mm. grim and also if you're curious and want to see the crime scene there is photos but they are graphic so Whitechapel is in the east end of london and in the late 1880s and kind of earlier there was a huge influx of immigrants so these tended to be from ireland or Often they were Jewish refugees from the Russian Empire and from Eastern Europe as well. And in 1888, it had a population of 80,000, which was much higher than it was previously. And it kind of had this notorious dark reputation of being a place of overcrowding, of severe poverty and high crime. And this actor called Jacob Adler, who I think was a Jewish actor, um, passed through Whitechapel and he said, the further we penetrated into Whitechapel, the more our hearts sank. Was this London? Never in Russia, never later in the worst slums of New York were we to see such poverty. So this severe poverty drove many of the women there who at the time obviously couldn't legally obtain employment, be paid, who were kind of at the mercy of their husbands if they had them. If they, for whatever reason, weren't with their husband anymore unfortunately there was a lot of domestic violence if they left they literally could not make money for themselves in any other way really than prostitution that was sustainable i think some people some of the victims i'm going to mention did try i think one of them tried like cross-stitching making hats but it just wasn't secure like for an income for them so they're kind of left with no choice but to turn to prostitution and there was a lot of sexism and probably will get raging in some parts of it but like police weren't quick to protect them either it was just a really shitty place for women at the time and 1888 was the time when there was at least 1200 prostitutes working in Whitechapel and there was at least 62 brothels just in Whitechapel and just under 10,000 people lived in what was called common lodging housing which is where you paid for a bed nightly that didn't mean if you paid for a bed nightly you could stay in that one bed if you rented a bed at night, stayed over up in the morning, your stuff was out. Like it wasn't like a continuous thing. Mm-hmm. And people were really taken advantage of at the worst times of their life by these people. And that's why we have uh, kind of more laws and things in place to protect people and when they're in their most desperate. So the bed that they paid for nightly, if you got a bed, was actually called a coffin bed. So the client who had rented the room for the night would lie down flat, literally in a coffin box. And they would have oh tarpaulin to cover themselves for the night. This is in London. Like it's not it's not Ibiza. They had tarpaulin <laughs> to sleep with. And you would get food and shelter for one night. These would be around a four pence in Whitechapel at the time, and that worked out on the calculator I used to about three pounds twenty one. Shows inflation because that was two pounds in twenty twenty one. Salvation Army also was in like in the area at the time, and they would offer shelters with a bed, but the price was much higher, which makes me feel like you're not the Salvation Army, your hotel, anyway. So if you didn't have enough money for a coffin bed, you could have slept on what was called a lean-to or a hangover rope, just two pence, which is over just over one pound today. This was literally a rope stretched across dorm that you'd be staying in, and you would lean your body on top of it for a night. It was literally to just take the weight of your body to get asleep. So there's photos of people oh who have like God. literally got their whole body bent over the rope. And often this was kind of drunk people. And that is apparently where the term hangover comes from after you've been drinking. Wow. 
Isn't that- Back to Mundo. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? But also horrendous. Like you're charging people one pound to literally like lean over a rope and that's their shelter for the night. So as you can imagine, with this being like your only choice, not the safest of places, it was absolutely poverty stricken and it was a breeding ground for some of the most dark dealings in all of London at the time. Crime was really commonplace. There was really very little rights for any homeless people or working women, quote, and it has been described as a notorious den of immorality. Women in particular were obviously limited in how they were able to earn their money and they turned to streets for prostitution just to be able to have a roof above their head often. And a few of these victims, you know, some of the last things they said was, I'm just going to go and earn money for my bed tonight. So they were literally going to meet a client just so they could get somewhere to sleep. Oh my God. I know, it's horrendous. So it was a very unsafe and violent place for women and crimes against them were unfortunately really common and I think that that kind of led to a lot of this kind of slipping away from the police because they deemed these women as less important than others mm-hmm. because of their massive arsals. There's no other way to say mm-hmm. it. So in 1888 there were numerous attacks against women in Whitechapel and of total there was eight murders in Whitechapel in the year 1888 but five are attributed to Jack the Ripper and these are known as the canonical five as I said some people believe it's a different number but I'm just going to touch on these five so I'm going to go over a little bit on the timeline just to, to kind of get in our heads how close together this was happening it must have been terrifying to live there at the time mm. I imagine so his first canonical victim is Mary Ann Nichols her body was discovered at 3 40 a.m on Friday the 30, 31st of August 1888 and this was in Bucks Row in Whitechapel. She had actually just been seen one hour before she was discovered. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrifying. So she was seen one hour before by someone who actually knew her so she could be sure that it was her that she saw. And she'd previously shared a bed with her in one of those common lodging housings. So she was like, it was definitely her I saw an hour ago. Her throat had been severely cut, two deep cuts. And one actually severed her neck all the way down to her vertebra. Her vagina had been stabbed twice and the lower part of her abdomen was ripped open with a deep wound and her bowels were protruding. There were other incisions on both sides of her abdomen by the same knife and these had been downward in their trajectory so it was someone who was obviously very angry and when you read about these kind of things stabbing in itself is seen as a very sexual crime because of the penetration so a lot of people have kind of came to the conclusions that a lot of these murders were sexually motivated by the killer like a sexual sadist Mm. which i like to to stab someone in the vagina is horrendous so that was the first of the five the second is Annie Chapman. Her body was discovered just over a week later on Saturday the 8th of September 1888 and it was discovered at 6am. And her bo- kind of body was found with the same MO as had been seen in Marianne Nichols. However, she had been seen shortly before in the company of a dark-haired gentleman. He had what was described as a shabby genteel appearance. So genteel is des- described someone who's kind of upper class. And it kind of the vibe that I got from looking into this is like upper class farmer vibes. So he was a bit like shabby, but with money. Uh, mm-hmm. He had a brown deer stalker hat, you know, those old men hats that people have and a dark overcoat. And the witness who had seen them heard the man ask Annie, will you? And she replied, yes. So similarly to Marianne Nichols, her throat was severely severed with two very deep cuts. Her abdomen had completely been cut open. And a section of her stomach was on her left shoulder. It had been removed and placed there. And her small intestines had been removed and placed on her right shoulder. The autopsy revealed her uterus and parts of her bladder and vagina had also been removed. How was he doing this in the street? Like, this is what I don't understand about this case. Like, it's so public where he did this. Mm-hmm. His third victim is Elizabeth Stride. She was found just over three weeks later after Annie's murder on Sunday the 30th of September 1888. She was found at 1am in Duckfield's yard and all of these obviously are in Whitechapel. So she 
was what part of what might be known as the double event. So Elizabeth Stride was obviously discovered at 1am. The cause of death was a clear incision six inches across her neck and it completely severed her left carotid artery and her trachea. There was no further mutilations to her body and this is because we think he was interrupted during the attack. Some people think it wasn't Jack the Ripper but given how close it is to the next person I'm going to talk about there's every chance he was interrupted and went on to brutally murder someone else to kind of get that fix that he needed. So his fourth victim is a lady called Catherine Eddowes. So she was found one hour after Elizabeth was found at 2am at Mitre Square. And it was a savage murder. And this, I personally do think the previous victim was Jack the Ripper because it seems like he was so pissed off that he got interrupted that he went to her and it was so brutal. And a cigarette salesman had actually walked through Church Passage, which is a narrow alleyway to Mitre Square where Catherine Eddowes was found very shortly before the crime. He said he has seen a man of shabby appearance who might have been with Catherine, but it's all very vague and he couldn't really elaborate, so I'm just going just gonna to slide past that. And this became known as the double event because there were two murders within an hour of each other. I'm just going to say, I know I gave you a warning before, but this part is really brutal. If, it's going, if you feel like it might get upset, just, just go ahead, skip one minute ahead. Her throat was completely severed from ear to ear. Her abdomen had been ripped open by a long wound, a jagged wound similarly to Marianne Nichols, and her intestines were placed over her right shoulder. A section of her intestines was completely detached and placed between her body and her arm. Her left kidney and a part of her uterus had been removed. Her face was completely disfigured, her nose was chopped off, her cheek was slashed. There was cuts over an inch and a half through her eyelids. There was a triangular yeah. incision above her eye and had also been carved in her cheeks. A section of her right ear was also recovered from her clothing and it had been chopped off. The person who conducted the postmortem upon her body said it would have taken at least five minutes for him to have done all this, which might sound like a short time, but when you're in public doing that, that's a long time. Mm. Yeah. And sorry to interrupt, but and in darkness and by gaslight, was it gas? There was gaslights at uh-huh. that point, wasn't there? Yeah, there was no streetlights, which made it more unsafe for them. So how was he doing this? Which obviously is why so many people think that it was somebody medical who did it. Mm-hmm. It's hard to know, but um, yeah, that was a really savage crime, and it really shook the community. A section of Catherine's bloody apron, because obviously women kind of wore dresses with aprons on top, was found outside the entrance to a tenement building 55 minutes later. And there was a message above that in chalk written, the Jews are the men that will be blamed for nothing. And this is now known in history as the Goldstone Street Graffito. It's unclear if that was even Jack the River who wrote that or the apron happened to fall or be left where that was because it was so dark. Or whether Jack the Ripper did do that on purpose and he was implying that Jews are responsible. It's hard to know. But the the chief kind of police man ordered it to be washed away immediately because he was fearful of anti-Semitism in the area causing a riot, which mm. is fair. But do you ever hear you're like, don't get rid of evidence, man? Mm, yeah. But I understand. Like It was already very tense and difficult to live there. And the fifth murder, the fifth and final canonical victim, again, I'm going to give a big trigger warning here, it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. And this is the one where there's actually a photograph of her. Mary Jane Kelly was his final victim. She was discovered lying on top of the bed in the room where she rented in those kind of common housing places uh, just off Dorset Street, which is in Whitechapel as well. Her face has been described as having been hacked beyond all recognition. Her throat was severed down to her spine. The abdomen was almost completely empty of its organs. Her uterus, one breast and kidneys were placed beneath her head as a pillow. Other organs from her body were placed beside her foot. And about the bed, and this is really grim, 
parts of her abdomen and thighs were placed on the bedside table next to her. The heart was missing from the crime scene. And when they came to investigate, there was ashes found in the fireplace, which kind of suggested he had been using things to burn to kind of illuminate the room so you could see what he was doing. And when they walked in the room, it was super warm. So some people think he was also trying to speed up um, decomp as well or, or get rid of evidence, I guess. Um, so there's obviously some similarities between all of them, you know, putting stuff on the shoulders, very specific things to do. And the photo of Mary Jane Kelly, you can li literally see, so he kind of posed them with their legs open and it kind of reminds me of the Black Dahlia a little bit, but the legs were posed like open and like you would put their hand behind their head or make them look like they were just kind of lying but like her whole thigh is removed and on the table next to her yeah i'm literally looking at it right now that's, do you see it that's it's, like if you don't want to look don't look guys but like her you can see her whole abdomen her leg oh my god and i really really hope they were dead before he did all that mm. i really yeah, hope he did same. and i we could do a podcast on jack ripper there's so much. And mm. I'm just going to, before I go into the ghosty part, I'm just going to talk about um, some of the letters that were sent claiming to be Jack the Ripper. Hundreds of letters were sent claiming to be Jack the Ripper. Most of them were hoaxes. People try and get fame when this shit happens. People have been shit for years, basically. So there's three distinct letters that people feel might actually have been from Jack the Ripper. I personally believe there's only one but I'll just run through them quickly before I get into it. So the first I'm going to talk about is called the Dear Boss Letter, and he claimed to be Jack the Ripper, and it was written in red ink to try and like look like blood. So it says, Dear Boss, I keep on hearing the piece of caught me, but they won't fix me just yet. I have laughed when they look so clever and talk about being on the right track. That joke about leather apron gave me real fits. I'm just going to side note, the police thought this person might have been a butcher and they spoke about use of a leather apron. I am down on whores and shan't quit ripping them until I do get buckled. Grand work the last job was. I gave the lady no time to squeal. How can they catch me now? I love my work and want to start again. You'll soon hear of me with my funny little games. I saved some of the proper red stuff in a ginger beer bottle over the last job to write with, but it went thick like glue and I can't use it. Red ink is thick fit enough I hope haha <laughs> the next job I do shall clip the ladies ears off and send to the hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts they said what the f are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Police officers, just for jolly, wouldn't you? Keep this letter back until I do more work and then give it out straight. My knife's so nice and sharp, I want to get to work right away if I have a chance. Good luck, yours truly, Jack the Ripper. Don't mind me giving the trade name. P.S. Wasn't good enough to post this before I got all the red ink off my hands. Curse it. No luck yet. They say I'm a doctor. Ha ha. What a skank. Yeah, and uh, to be honest with you, yes, somebody did have their ear. And yes, Catherine Eddowes did have part of her ears clipped off. So I do see why people think, shit, he, because this letter was sent before that. Mm -hmm. But it just feels very what's the word like media hungry yeah um, and some apparently there's a journalist who confessed that he had actually written it to get the Tongue story back. out yeah to get the story out the second i'm going to talk about is called the saucy jackie postcard so it was a postcard sent to the central news agency of london 
postmarked the 1st of October, 1888. So this postcard that was sent on the 1st of October, like I said, uh, mentions two victims killed very close to one another. And he actually coined the term double event. So text of the postcard says, I was not codding, which I think means kidding. Dear old boss, when I gave you the tip, you'll hear about Saucy Jackie's work tomorrow. Double event this time. Number one squealed a bit, couldn't finish straight off, had no time to get ears off for police. Thanks for keeping last letter until I go back to work again. Jack the Ripper. So this this has got a lot of knowledge, obviously, and it was sent mm-hmm. like one day after they were killed in the early mornings. Mm-hmm. But the letter was also postmarked more than 24 hours after the killings had taken place and like news does travel fast. It was obviously written mm-hmm. in red ink again to be dramatic. So again, could be real, but also could be fannies trying to be hoax and get attention. And again, that journalist, the mm-hmm. one who wrote the Dear Boss mm-hmm. letter, has admitted that him and his colleague faked it to keep it alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. What were you going to say there? No, I, I, I was going to ask, like, what's the timeline of the letters? Because, like, back in the day, like, if they'd been sent really close to each other, isn't it a weird coincidence they're all written in red? But presumably, was there enough time for it to have been publicised? Hold on, let's solve this case right now, babes. Dear Boss I... was dear boss was first, um, the first one I read. Mm-hmm. I think I've put them in order. Yeah, I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've put them in order. So I've done them in, like, chronological order. So the Dear Boss letter was sent first and it was just before the double event right and then saucy jackie the next one i was just telling you about was sent he is he's trying to say that it was before but actually it was stamped after like 24 hours after so it might have been a hoax the next one and the last one i'm going to talk about for me is the most compelling i do think this was jack the ripper who wrote this and I think it's in a museum now. I would love to go and see it. Mm-hmm. All of the, the writing on all of them is similar as well, which is quite creepy to me, but maybe people wrote the same then. I don't know. So this is often called the From Hell Letter or the Lusk Letter because it was sent to George Lusk, who was a chairman of the Whitechapel Vigilance Committee at the time. And obviously the author does claim to be Jack the Ripper. And I'll tell you why I think that this is most compelling. So I'll just read the letter from you first. And it is written in red ink, but the red ink looks very different to the other two letters and does look like blood. Okay. Jeez. The letter reads, from hell, like, and from hell is in, like, you know, the sender's address. Mm-hmm. It's, it's from hell. It's And it's got, it's got spelling errors. I'll work through them. So, from hell. Mr. Lusk, sir, I send you half the kidney I took from one woman. I preserved it for you. The other piece I fried and ate. It was very nice. I may send you the bloody knife that took it out, if only you wait a while longer. Signed. Catch me when you can, Mr. Lusk. So this letter had a human kidney in it. It was taken to medical experts who said, yeah, it's a a human kidney. Um, And it was half like the letter said. Some people kind of said, you know, is this a, prankster medical student who's taken it from you know corpses from what's the word i'm looking for cadavers in the anatomy lab but really interestingly if we remember back to the double event there was Catherine eddowes and elizabeth stride at that point and this um letter obviously contained part of an organ that had been removed from Catherine eddowes And it was examined and found to have Bright's disease, which is basically like a chronic kidney infection or kind of chronic harm to the kidney. And it had been potentially damaged from alcoholism, which would be consistent with Catherine Edo's medical history. Oh my God. And it's actually like it matches the side of the body that it was removed from. I can't remember whether it was right or left, but whatever side she was missing, the half, of that kidney was from her that side she'd had it removed so for me this is the most compelling i think this genuinely could have been jack the ripper who mm. sent this and how terrifying 
Like imagine living in Whitechapel in the pitch black at this time. My oh, no, and having to go to work. Yeah. And oh, honestly. And like you're literally like, I'm either going to be homeless and killed or I've got to work and get killed. I've not got a choice. Mm-hmm. What are you meant to do? Maybe. So this case, obviously, as I had said, hasn't been solved. There's a lot of uh, suspects. Actually, reading into it, there was an article a few months ago that somebody's, they think they've managed to find who it was. I feel like if they had, though, it would be bigger news. So I was like, I'm going to take it with a pinch of salt. So that's a brief kind of rundown of the canonical five. And now I'm going to talk a little bit about where they're kind of still, still seen today. So Catherine Eddowes, the one we just spoke about who lost her kidney, and it was a particularly brutal murder, has been seen walking around the cobblestones in Mitre Square where her body was discovered. And Mitre Square is like a completely different place. Similar to what you said, it sounds quite like bougie now. <laughs> but some people who have been there still see her figure walking around and quite terrifyingly has also been lying on the spot where she died. And God. Annie Chapman, who was the second victim of Jack the Ripper, was discovered lying in Hanbury Street. And the site obviously since then has changed, but there's regular sightings of her walking around. There's workers in the brewery buildings nearby who report a very strange chill on the anniversary of when she died. And again, she can be seen lying on the spot where she was killed. No wonder. I would be haunting it for eternity if somebody had done that to me. I hope he is in hell. I hope so too. There's also kind of this urban legend that the real Jack the Ripper jumped to his death in 1888 after doing all this and people have seen him repeating this fatal leap in you know spectral realm. I don't know how they would know that but yeah. There's also chat about the fact that Ripper, the Ripper might be this man who's called Robert Donston Stevenson. He was an army surgeon, he was a journalist and apparently practiced black magic. It's always black magic. <laughs> No, he was known as being like particularly seedy and shady. Had a very checkered past, and was described as deluded. And <laughs> aren't they all? He obviously worked as a surgeon, and and this was in Garibaldi's army. And then he became a journalist. And many are convinced that he was the murderer. And he was kind of seen as a very manipulative, sadistic person in his personality. Rumour has it that prior to the murders, he was living in the tavern in Brighton. The pub had been kind of a lowly drinking place, had cheap accommodation, and uh, he was very fond of that place. But then he had to spend time in the Royal London Hospital, which was in Whitechapel. And the time that he had to be in that hospital was the exact period the murders took place. It was the 26th of July until the 7th of December. And obviously we know there was such a short period of time from the 30th of August to... I can't remember last one, October. So mm-hmm. it fits fits when he was there. And he would leave the hospital. It wasn't like he stayed in the hospital. He would leave and go out, come back. So people think that he went to hospital to use an alibi. And they think he crept out at night, carried out the murders and came back. And the murder of Marianne Nichols, who was the first victim, occurred 150 yards from the hospital. So a lot of people are convinced that's him. Interestingly, this pub in Brighton, which is called The Cricketeers, has his ghost and he appears to be attached there people have done investigations there and have apparently spoken to his spirit they're convinced he did this crime there's quite a lot of YouTubes where people go and uh, think they're speaking to Jack the Ripper uh, a landlady in that pub heard the sound of barrels rolling about in the cellar, she made her way down the staircase and the cellar door she came to the cellar door, the sounds completely stopped and as she went in, there was the barrels hadn't moved from the night before. So she turned around and just tried to go back upstairs. And then she came into the bar and saw the figure of a man. And he had a long cape, a wide brim hat, and he disappeared into the staircase. After that, she was terrified. Didn't like cleaning the bar alone at night. And one night it became really, really intense. She was terrified. She turned around and found herself face to face with the man in a long cape and white brim hat. She said he was deathly pale and almost blurry, had two glaring eyes. She stared in fear and then he just disappeared into thin air. Oh my God. I know. Uh, recent, More recent um, history is that as the pub was closing one night, a young woman ran in and was like, I need to pee. 
which we've all been there, gal. All been there. <laughs> Only to run screaming. She spoke of feeling this like horrible presence. Although she was like, I knew I was alone physically. It became incredibly cold when she went into the toilet cubicle and then she felt hands clawing at her face. So she ran. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a dick, whether he was Jack Ripper or not. <laughs> it definitely does. He does not sound like a nice man. Um, a lot of people think that there's some supernatural vibes to the killings, that he was Satan, that he was devil. I honestly think we're giving this guy too much credit. I think he was an awful human being. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope he is burning in hell if there is a hell. There's ghost tours in a lot of these places. I would love to go on one one day. We should go. Definitely. I'd love it. I was looking it up just now. Yes. And <laughs> just from looking at the tours and stuff you can go on, people have actually got photos of some of the ghosts. It's really creepy. Yeah. So they've um they will go on like a history tour, show you where all these things happen. And um one of the people who lived in Whitechapel, um, apparently years ago pointed to a house and told him that's a house they say it's haunted but i've never seen nobody coming out of it at night but this is where mary and kelly was murdered several witnesses have spoke of meeting mary and kelly several hours after doctor said she'd been murdered so she was seen by people who knew her walking about in spitalfields hours after she died at the hands of jack the ripper no across the road um, from dorset street is christchurch spitalfields and this is where somebody got a photo off the church and they've managed to photograph a mysterious figure. So they've got it here. I'll put it on um, our socials, obviously. Lauren, do you want me to send it to you? I found it. Have you got it? It's like a figure in the doorway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's spooky. And across the road from this is the Ten Bells pub. This has been linked to Jack the Ripper and actually sometimes gets called the Jack the Ripper pub. Uh, in the 1990s, the staff who worked there saw the appearances of a ghostly grey man in grey Victorian clothing. There's a very horrible feeling with the staff there, and some even had the experience of waking up in the middle of the night and saw them lying in bed beside them. Oh my god. Can you that's, imagine? That's so rude. I know, but like consent. <laughs> Although consent is on the bottom of his list, let's be real. <laughs> Um, Annie Chapman, who was the second victim, has been seen drinking in the Ten Bells, Bells shortly, and she'd been seen shortly before her death. She's been seen there since walking about. And I just really want to make the point that, like, these women are just like wandering about, vibing, and this yeah. fucker like just took their life, like horrible, horrible person. And where she's been seen sitting drinking and stuff will get icy cold on the anniversary of her death, which is in keeping with the other pub I spoke about um, that knew of her. The same thing happens. They say it gets super, like, unnaturally cold. There's also mm-hmm. a, a legend that on midnight on the 30th of September, which would be the anniversary of Catherine Edo's death, the cobblestones can be seen to glow red on this night where she was killed. So uh, these do seem to be still wandering about the streets of Whitechapel. And if you go on YouTube and you do want to see kind of people doing investigations, there is people who say they they have made contact with Jack the Ripper. And just coming to the end of these kind of ghostly stories, Bucks Row, which is now called Durward Street in Whitechapel, has a lot of paranormal activity which is thought to be Marianne Nichols, who's obviously the first victim. And it definitely appears to be more, I suppose, residual in nature, kind of in keeping with her returning on the anniversary of her murder. And even on other nights, but particularly that night, it seems to happen more often. It began in 1895, so it's kind of a long-standing legend. Uh, but her ghostly body has been seen lying in the gutter near where her corpse was discovered. And her voice has been heard speaking there. And apparently if you try and walk your dog down here, it's like, nah, I don't like it. Mm. And if you want to see the Jack the Ripper ghost jump off that bridge that I spoke about, you need to stand there on Hogmanay on New Year's Eve at when it chimes midnight, you'll see him jump into the Thames, apparently. Give me arse. And also, how would they... 
how would they identify him? Has he got like a, I don't know, Ripper T t-shirt on or whatever? How do they know he jumps? <laughs> Could be any Randall. Literally. And also like, we don't even know what he looks like. So there's no way to look and be like, that's Jack the Ripper. That's Jack the Ripper, I think, probably. Then the lads don't know who he is. That was him. And they're like, <laughs> oh my God, it was reality Vantees. <laughs> it was them. So that was my run through Jack the Ripper. I would love to go on one of those ghost tears laws. Me too, by the way. Like, quite honestly. And not in a sort of graphic, not, like, um, it's not a morbid thing. Like, I, I would love to do it for the history fact as well, like, because I love Victorian shit as well. Wild. Um, by the way, there's actually a really good book that I'm actually going to, it's actually on my playlist to listen to for this year, and it's called The Five. Oh, is it about the canonical five? Yeah, it's called The Five and it's the untold lives of the women killed by Jack the Ripper. And I remember it being reviewed and it's like, apparently it goes into real detail about their lives and like in context of the time and why they're in the, like why it happened yeah. or not why it happened, but why they're in the position they were. Apparently it's really good. It's got like five stars on Waterstones, guys. So I um, I really recommend, oh, you probably have already, Lauren, but I really recommend the Morbid series on Jack the Ripper. They go mm-hmm. into a lot of detail on the victims, who they were, how they ended up where they were. Unfortunately, a lot of a lot of women were victims of domestic violence, and if they fleed, they had to turn to prostitution to survive. A lot of women were addicts of alcohol, and it was the only way to feed the addiction. And like these were people that they're most vulnerable. Like nobody's on the streets by wish, you know. Like it was mm. total necessity for them, and. Something that's sold for years, if you're not allowed to work, sex sells. It's the way to get food on your table. What are they meant to do? Mm. They're going to be outside and homeless or they're going to have to like find a way to make money. And one of the victims, I can't remember, I do want to say it's Annie Chapman, but I might be wrong, was a hat maker of some sort or an ape. She was a bonnet maker. That was it. One of them was a bonnet maker and apparently she made the most beautiful bonnets, but nobody bought them. Oh, it's like shame. women wouldn't have enough money to buy them so she couldn't make a living that way mm. so it's just oh, it's just awful like I just remember listening to it and being like there's so much misogyny and sexism in the Jack the Ripper craze that like I don't think we realise enough mm-hmm. like he I mean, was, he was operating <laughs> in plain sight like in one of the cases again you, the book you mentioned and Morbid I think they mentioned that book really good um, like storytelling about it but like in a lot of these cases like policemen were on the next street it's bizarre they just don't give a shit about people like that they do but, like it's all shit. but it's not even like exclusive to the victorian period like when the yorkshire ripper was killing prostitutes um or women that were working within that sector they didn't give a shit about them as, as well it wasn't until some young girl that was attacked by him that That's they true. actually took it more seriously and stuff like that it's like like you know it is it's sadistic it's awful and we see it often happen as well in like i think canada's got bad stats for this definitely in the u.s um and other places like total disregard for particularly indigenous women um and it's only when a white middle class person goes missing they pay attention you just see it all the time and you like like to think we've came a long way from jack the ripper but have we really no and that is my TED talk. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED talk. I've taken a bow. Um, but no, I hope you guys liked that. I hope you found it interesting. I found it very interesting. Yeah, that was great, babes. Um, it's it's such a huge case to cover as well. Like, I mean, we could probably do ten episodes. I remember the morbid one. That was that was really good, actually. Shout Five out to episodes. The and even then, they were like, we could make more. There's so much to cover. It was quite hard to decide what to include and what not to because I kept being like, should I include this? Should I include that? But ultimately, mm-hmm. I wanted to set the scene so I could tell the story of where they're seen. And I'm going to say justice for all those women and society mm-hmm. failed them. They were failed. And I truly hope they're taking a shit in Jack Ripper's coffee for all of eternity. Yeah. Yeah, I wish they would solve it. I know there is that, that they've got so many different um, case studies on people that potentially could be and stuff, but uh, with today's technology, could they not? Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, this could sound very ignorant. In fact, it will sound very ignorant. But if they've still got the letters and stuff, can they, like, extract DNA? Probably. They would definitely be able to extract, like, 
to check if it was like her blood that was used on the letter at least to have that to val to validate that as being uh, apart from the kidney like if they preserved um, the kidney if they kept a slice of it can you check the dna against Catherine Eddowes? would they even have mm-hmm. Catherine Eddowes dna that's a difficult part you know moved in records i don't know where where where, where are these poor women buried you know but yeah fabulous case babes and i really want to go on one of the spooky tours i want to maybe if other people who are listening want to go we should go on like a trips tour of jack the ripper area yeah we definitely should we should get andy from spooky island radio and go on like a spooky weekend as three i was thinking that we definitely should i think listen andy (laughs) let's go I think we suggested doing something like with Andy every other episode. We're like, I think we do. I've <laughs> not actually texted him and asked. So <laughs> I remember we were meant to all be in Edinburgh together. I remember, and it didn't it didn't work out. There was like some some form of timing, or he wasn't going anymore, and we were going to go down the vaults. But then we said in our episode, "Let's go down the vaults," and he messaged us like, "Yes." Well, let's do it this year when you come back over. Let's get down the vaults. We're going to do the vault Sunday, okay? Fabulous. But yeah, great episode. Thank you so much. I have been listening to a lot of spooky podcasts lately that have really creeped me out. My sister's current hyperfixation is do you know the plane crash in the Andes where they had to eat each mm-hmm. other to survive? She said there's yes. a documentary on Netflix about it. It's called something snowmobile or something. <laughs> that's the full title it's something snowmobile or something, something. Uh, anyway so she was like you need to go and watch this thing on Netflix it's wild it's called Society of the Snow <laughs> not snowmobile or something Um. so she sent me this photo and they're like sitting in the snow and next to them there is a spinal column picked clean of meat oh my god you know I was speaking to someone recently about being a vegetarian and um and I am now <laughs> and I am now and why she's vegetarian and she's into like she's like a yoga instructor and stuff like that and uh, all that type of thing and she was telling me about this book um that she reads where or she was reading where the reason that she's vegetarian is because it's all to do with eating the souls of the animals and she said it's like in buddhism and things like that you shouldn't do it because it's like you're literally eating a soul and stuff. So it right put me off meat. Oh God, it does. And that's so I mean, imagine those people eating the souls of the people that were in the plane crash with them. It's awful. Do you know what else makes me like I, I would say I'm a flexitarian. I don't eat a lot of meat, but I more eat it when I like I would eat chicken at a restaurant and stuff. Um my sister was sending me these TikToks of people zooming in on meat with a microscope. Have you seen them? No. Don't do it. Unless you do want to be vegetarian. <laughs> like shit's moving in it. There's hairs. There's like little worms. I, I have to say I'm going full vegetarian this year again. I did I did for a, a brief time when I was living alone in, in the old peeves. But tonight I'm ha- having a vegan steak. Oh my God, made of peas. This is a person who mm-hmm. did have a double cheeseburger on Monday. <laughs> yeah, I did have a double cheeseburger on Monday. Life's about balance here. Is this place on need? I was like, it's cooked. I don't care if it's got hair in it. No, absolutely. <laughs> um, but I think, you know what? Even if you're not veggie, but you make a difference, you know, mm-hmm. cut down on your products and that's better than not doing anything. Exactly. So that's what I tell myself. Um, but just before we sign off, one case that has freaked me out. And if anybody listening to it has heard of it, please message our Instagram at this place on podcast. Lauren, if you've heard of it, I need to discuss it with you. But the Panama Missing Tourists, Oh, yeah. Is it two girls, two Dutch girls? Uh-huh. Yeah, I know about that. Yeah, that's That awful. case has freaked me out. It's the... Mm-hmm. I don't want to ruin it for people, but basically these two girls were from the Netherlands. They came to Peru on their summer holidays. They were both very like, intelligent girls. I think they spoke like four languages. Really, really tall, loved hiking. And they came in their summer to volunteer at a school in Panama. And their start date was pushed back a week. So they made the most of it by exploring. They went hike in the jungle and like were never seen alive again. But like weeks later, like a pelvis was found and it was bleached. A foot was found in a boot and the bones were broken and the foot was in it. 
And then their camera was found. Their backpack was found completely undamaged next to a river months later. And people were like, what? Uh, and their camera was inside. And there's like photos of them enjoying the hike. And then it kind of stops. And then there's like these really terrifying dark photographs. Mm. And people are like, were they using it as a flashlight to see? Were they trying to like scare off any like jaguars because they're in the jungle? Mm-hmm. And then parts of their body like slowly turned up in the river but there was no signs of animal markings on the bones. So it's not like they could be like they're, they were, you know, unfortunately prey to jungle predators. Mm-hmm. And then one of their shorts was found perfectly folded on the rock. The photos creep me out. I was in my bed last night, like Jesus swept. I can't, I can't do this. I know that is a really scary case. I have to say it's a shame for the families. Like, Oh my God, awful. And they were very quick to rule it an accident i think or something but and they also tried to phone emergency services like so many times couldn't get through there's so many weird parts of the case so it's the panama missing tourists and i think their name is chris creamer and lizanne lizanne um Brun. Brun, that's it yeah if you want to go and go down the rabbit hole with us uh, i hope i've ruined your january for for, for good now guys uh, <laughs> jack the ripper and all that but that case has got no, like great. oh because they look so normal. They're just two girls on holiday with a digital camera at the time because yep. it was the time of digital cameras. They're so young as well, which is horrible. They're 21 just like young girls. Mm, that's awful. I mean, there's so many cases like this across the world, but that is a weird one. It's the weird circumstances that creep me out, though, and it's the photographs week after they went missing. And like it looks mm. like one of their heads is bleeding oh it's so creepy i actually sent it to my friend alex and she was like i'm gonna have to read this in daylight mm. can't do them so yeah um january is hard but things could be worse <laughs> yeah it could be so this episode has yeah. given me a strong perspective mine too babes thanks for listening though guys um nice to be back definitely is and we'll see you for our next episode in a couple of weeks time which is mine and i'm what thinking well i was gonna do caves and it like haunted caves or strange mysterious caves and shit like that i felt it was too generic so i'm gonna start doing a little bit of the appalachian mountains oh, yeah. stories and ghost episodes and shit like that because there's a lot of weird stuff goes on there mm. and realistically that could be loads of different topics could be ghosts could be cryptoids could be ufo sightings that place is crazy so it'll be an appalachian themed episode girlies isn't it funny like i some people say different i say appalachian and people and some people on tiktok say that some people say appalachian there's no right or wrong no i i said appalachian but i don't know but it's not wrong wrong. it's not wrong the only reason i call it appalachian is because monica and friends said something was like cocktails in appalachia and since then it's been that in my head and some people call it appalachian mouth Anyway, just a useless point for the podcast. <laughs> but necessary. Necessary for context. So it can be used interchangeably. So if I call it that, Soz, um, that'll be amazing. And that will probably freak us out. I think it will. The reason I'm doing it as well is because I have a really freaky TikTok. And I'll have to say, I, I was saying this to my colleague today. I was like, see, at a cer- certain time of night, does your TikTok go from like, fabulous gay stuff and funny things and memes to really really like dark like ghosts and like weird shit and he was like yeah it's <laughs> like oh, really? mm. like his all his what we were both saying like our whole algorithm changes to all the freaky stuff at night and i'm like oh maybe like an app comes up a lot see that happens to me during the day maybe my tiktok knows i'll just shut it <laughs> when they do that yeah. no 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 it's yeah. come a lot of what comes up in the day is like um, you know the guy who's like nah don't listen to Taylor Swift like that and then he like has the drone camera oh uh, yeah yeah or like travelling or being rich is my day's time stuff at the moment mine's just like huns constantly love that constant hunt. well we will see you in a couple of weeks at the Appalachian Mountains guys see you in a couple of weeks guys bye happy new year happy new year
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 